Chapter 12. The Wild of Azura. The threat from within Monadaria was on their tail. Navigation through the hilly wilderness sapped their energy from their bodies while the horns from the castle continued to blare into the sky. There was a troop in pursuit of the escapees. Harder they pushed to cut off their target, barreling through the brush, but the boys were swift as they were cunning. Once the edge of the rough mountains had been broken, their trail would become much more difficult to track. Ardeus looked at the trees whizzing by as they ran. At the top, they could be far from the sight of any who attempted to follow. With his skill, he could likely reach an adequate height in mere moments. His friends, on the other hand, would risk detection. There were too many new species of plants and woodland critters to even count. With each new stretch of clearing came rustling in the new bushes and new sounds from new animals. The newness was pushed to the backs of their mind for the time being. Run was all they thought. Run, run, and do not look back. They were all coated in filth from the swim, and the sweat leaking from their pores compounded the disgust they felt while they ran. Ardeus was at the head of the group. Over there, Nezo yelled. He was looking to a valley running between two hills decorated in trees of various shades of green and yellow. They made for the valley in hopes that it could be a beginning of something promising. As they made bounds across the fields of vegetation, the sirens from behind them were growing more and more silent to the point when the snapping twigs under their feet were making more of a ruckus than the alerts from the castle. No sounds from approaching troops could be heard, and the sun had reached its peak by the time they entered the shadowy passages through the valley. The trees were denser here, and the cool breeze flowing through the natural pass soothed their skin and dried most of the moisture from their faces. The open air was a pleasant contrast to the muggy humidity of the castle. I think we lost them, Rainier said, looking to their rear. No troops were marching through the plains, and the siren could not be heard any longer. Without risking their position being discovered, they quickly attempted to catch their breath and search for any food or water nearby. The hours came and went with no fuel in their bodies. Besides Nezo's jacket, the boys were in naught but their green tunics, which were now sliced and battered from the assault of the forest. Their boots were holding up, but they needed to find a more secluded spot to set up camp and collect themselves. This may be our best bet. Ardeus had found some spot where the edges of the hills were hanging over, creating a small pocket in which they could start a fire without the light illuminating the forest around them. Any of you have anything left from Iggins? Ardeus asked while they walked. He had been grasping the token she had given him. I'd say all the food has been tainted from our swim through the moat, Nezo said. His comment made them realize how awful they smelt and how cruddy their equipment had become. Once we're safe in hiding, we can try to clean and salvage what we can. Can we hide here? Ardeus wondered. Brogadino found us even in our trek through the helm so many miles away. Now we're on his turf, Rainier said. They kept their eyes peeled for any sign of spying creatures or menfolk, although they had little knowledge of what that would look like. Before they could reach the mouth of the small cavern within the hill, they heard terrible cries from further down the path. They could not place the sound. Whatever it is, it doesn't sound very well, Nezo said. The three of them, with slight hesitation, jogged back down the hill and towards the awful noises. It was screeching and wailing. It sounds like a, a young animal, a, a bird maybe, Ardeus said as they got closer. Peeking through some bushes, they detected the source. Are those, Rainier began, apes, Ardeus said, keeping his voice low enough to avoid the creatures finding them. The scene was something like they would see from the children around the rock village. Groups of bigger folk picking on those smaller than them. The gang of apes were smacking and chirping at something in the middle of the circle. Ardeus listened closely to the chatter. Thinky he a fiery lizard, one of the larger apes said as he smacked at the helpless creature. Thinky he big. The rest laughed, a menacing 
Screechy laughed. Guys, Artius whispered, it's a dragon. They're picking fun at a dragon. The others looked confused, but Artius continued to listen. His hand was still firmly grasping the talisman around his neck. Me wonder what tail tasty like. The others grabbed the dragon's arms and legs while the largest monkey began to yank at the tail. The creature wailed and screamed louder than ever. Something inside Artius took over. Without a second thought, he drew his bow and arrow. Only a few shafts remained in his quiver after their bumpy path that morning. Artius! Nezo warned, but the arrow was already let loose. The arrowhead barely skimmed the leg of the big ape who screeched at the top of his lungs and turned to see the boys behind the bushes. Eee! Sharpie! Pointy! His followers leaped from the trees above and the large apes followed suit. For once on their adventure, the rock boys were feared. The rustle in the trees continued far down the pass until there was no more sign of the monkeys besides one that held its leg caught up in some vines. It struggled to rip at the bondage, glaring at the approaching Ardeus as it did so. Rainier and Nezo inspected the fallen dragon. It was whimpering on the ground, and a steamy breath poured from its nostrils. Get out of here, Rainier yelled over to the trapped monkey. Ardeus saw it was much smaller than the other members of the gang. In fact, it was no larger than the baby dragon laying on the forest floor. Giddy way! It screeched at Ardeus. It's okay! He attempted to soothe the furious and flustered creature, but it continued to shake and pull at the vines. Ardeus drew his knife. Monty no likey, you sharpie pointy, it yelled. Monty? Your name is Monty? Artius slowly reached to tear the monkey from its snare. Monty no likey! Okay, okay, here. Artius snipped the vine with his knife and quickly placed it back in its sheath. Monty tried running away, but it fell right as he set foot to the earth. It looked back at Artius in derision and distress. You're hurt, little guy. His voice was soothing to the crazy creature. Artie, Rainier called over. The dragon's okay. He's lost, though. Let's get him back to the cave, Nezo suggested. Artius looked back over at the injured monkey. Your leg must be hurting pretty bad. My friend here may be able to help you, he motioned to Nezo. Come, come with me. Monty shook furiously as Artius tried picking him up, but eventually gave in because of the throbbing in his leg. What's that thing? Rainier asked as they turned around to make for a camp. His name's Monty. Artius had him up on his shoulders. Hey, Nezo, do you know anything about healing magic? Eh, not so much, but I can fix us up the best that I can. They were all beaten and battered from the trails. The sun was falling again, and they feared the night ahead. Spooky, creepy, come out in night. Monty screeched to Artius. Can you tell that thing to pipe down? Rainier asked. He told me that night isn't safe. He can talk? Nezo said. You, you didn't hear him? Not a word I can understand, just, you know, monkey sounds. <laughs> Rainier laughed. Artie's some kind of forest magician. Maybe it's this talisman that Iggins gave me. He held it up for examination. Could be, Nezo said. Could be. What else does he say? Er, hang on. Monty, these are my friends, Rainier and Nezo. We come from a place far away from here. Far away? Rock Village, in Helm. Monty squirmed in his place and folded his arms. He's he's scared of our weapons. He doesn't really want to talk. Their path continued until they found the hole in the hill once more. The interior was spacious enough for them all, and they could tuck a fire in the back to help dry their things and cook a warm meal. Rainier searched the surrounding area for any fallen logs, half of which he piled in the cave, the other half he used as a sort of door to the outside. The stack blocked the light and served as a minor defense from any harm that may discover their position. The camp was quickly assembled. 
the sun fell beyond the horizon, bringing the night. The three boys and two creatures were huddled around a roaring fire. The smoke circled over their heads and escaped through an opening just above Rainier's entrance of logs. They rummaged through their bags, laid their usable clothes out to dry, and began preparing new sets of equipment to take with them the following day when their journey continued. Sweet nectar! Artius called out, holding a glass jar up to the light. Keep it down, Nezo suggested. I don't want to find out what horrors are out there. Rather, I don't want them to find us. He lowered his voice and continued. No water tainted the drink. Artius popped the cork off the top, gave the liquid a deep whiff, and held it to his lips. The swig was smooth, and it warmed his throat as it passed. His friends closely inspected his reaction. All at once, his thirst was quenched, his hunger satisfied, and all cuts and scrapes felt well medicated. Take a sip, everyone. One by one, the boys sipped on the sweet forest juice. Even the dragon and Monty were satisfied by the liquid's effects. Rainier's weapons had been sparkling before their escape from Monadaria, but the travels through their sewers, moats, and wood mucked up the blade beyond belief. He rubbed and scrubbed at the metal and leather with spare pieces of fabric. Nearly all night, he was working away to fix the tarnished sword. Scabbard would have helped, he muttered. Most of Nezo's gear was intact, but he also wiped away any grime or dinginess that he found on his runes, potion bottles, and the like. The most worried of the three was Ardeus. His bow had been completely soaked, and it had dried during their running, but the damage was enough to render a bow useless. It seemed to shoot well earlier today, Nezo said, referring to his shot at the Gang of Apes. Monty sent a grimace in their direction. Ardeus pulled at the string, and the oak flexed, just as it should. Perhaps my father's gift is even better quality than I supposed, he thought. The flames burned on, and the moon hung over the woods for many more hours. They were too tired to work any further in preparation for the morning, but too afraid to close their eyes. Neza was first to succumb to the temptation. His eyes slowly wavered and closed while his head gently rest on the cavern wall. Next fell Rainier. With his sword in his hand, he too leaned into the wall beside him and escaped into a much-needed rest. Ardeus, on the other hand, could not close his eyes even if he tried. The two young animals had huddled themselves near him. The warmth of their presence soothed his soul. Monty was restless just the same. Bet you miss your family, little guy. Monty looked up at him. The hairs on top of his head were jutting in every direction, and a few of his bottom teeth poked out from behind his lip. Not family. He wrapped his face into his arms, squirming to get closer to Ardeus. Big monkey's no nice. His voice was muffled inside of his arms. I'm sorry. Monty looked back up and glared in the direction of the dragon at Ardeus's other side. What's the matter? Him? He pointed to the dragon. No likey flame. He shoved his face back into his arms. Well, I haven't seen his, this guy show a single flame. He patted the lizard while it slept. You can't hate him if you don't even know him. Monty continued to pout. Get some sleep. All was quiet but the steady crackling of the wood under the fire. Miss you, family? Monty said. Only his eyes peeked out from beneath his arms. My, my father, I, yeah, I miss him. Monty huddled even closer. He nice like Artie? A tear slipped from his eye and slid down the side of his face. He got me that bow. He worked all the time. He had to. The fire crackled some more, and they heard Rainier grumbling in his sleep. I see Artie family. No, his voice stuttered. No, we can't. They're, they're all gone. Not all. He pointed to the sleeping boys on the other side of the fire. In this moment, 
he was overwhelmed with the feeling of unity. He was so proud of Nezo and the intricate gears of his mind. He admired the strength and courage of Rainier, and for that moment, he believed that they were proud of him as well. That's right, Monty. Not all of them. He patted the monkey, ruffling his fur even more. Let's get some sleep. Monty followed through, finally sitting still and closing his eyes, but Artius remained conscious until the fire was only a bed of coals. He remembered the days spent in their village. He remembered the excitement to see his father after a long day at work. He remembered the smiling faces of the townsfolk. He remembered his dreams of one day being like them, being the best at something. He remembered the pretty girls that he was much too nervous to talk to. He remembered everything there was to remember about their homeland. The tears ran free now. The warmth trickled down his face and into his lap, but he made no sound. In silence, in fear of what may hear him, he cried.